This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. I am enough. Every experience I have is perfect for my growth. Life supports me in every possible way. I am surrounded by love. Valeria interviews Jennifer Chapman. She is a former sales executive turned certified life coach, speaker, and founder of Just Commit Coaching. Her biggest life lessons have come from personal hardship, trauma, and challenge. And she believes we all have an inner warrior inside, just waiting to come out and shine. She believes everything starts with self, first, foremost, and always. She serves her clients one-on-one, in group settings, and team workshops, as well as sharing her message on how to embrace your inner warrior with the masses. Meet Jennifer at JustCommitCoaching.com. Here's the interview with Jennifer Chapman. In your own words, who is Jennifer Chapman? Jennifer Chapman is a, she's a stroke warrior. Um, She is, I am, I believe, to be just kind-hearted and warm and um, a compassionate and passionate human being here on this earth to, to serve others and to contribute to the highest good that I can. That sounds wonderful to me, um, everything about it. I guess the question that I usually follow up with is, how did you come to this understanding of yourself, Jennifer? Yeah, so it was. It has been through these last um, six and a half, almost seven years of my stroke recovery. I used. I was a thriving sales executive when life threw this curveball my way, and it's it has taken me, you know, six and a half years to fully embrace this as a true gift that it was. Mm. And um, it's it's work that I do on myself, for myself every single day. Yes. So it is in a way an understanding that came in the moment in time per se, but then it becomes a practice, right? Yes. Yes. How interesting. So the practice is to establish those truths, those insights, or does it have to do with being open to new insights that could Mm. come from those previous ones? I believe it's staying open. It's staying open, right? And working through old ways of programming, which would have been to fight or resist it before and think that things are done 
a certain way or only one way, you know, mm. and being so open to knowing that there are so many other ways to really heal from mm. things we've been through. Mm. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> What's not to love about that wisdom? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's what I call actually healing. I have been doing this work for so long, healing myself and talking about healing mm-hmm. for for the last, actually for the last 10 years. And now I see that clearly what you just said has been almost like a guiding principle for me, being open and curious of new ways of doing old things. <laughs> yes. Isn't it interesting? Such a powerful state of being, being open. I know that fear comes into play all the time, you know, resistance. Mm. Well, what do you suggest we do when fear becomes so evident almost as an obstacle to seeing or doing something differently? Yeah, I love that you used the word obstacle because what I've learned when I went through my coaching certification in 2021 was that she would say the obstacle isn't in your way. It is the way. Mm. And so that one thing, that fear that's Uh been holding us back this whole time, that's actually your way through. Mm. Yeah. It's just there to like knowing that fear is Mm. just there to protect us. Mm. So true. Yeah. It's honoring that. Right. And, And accepting it with love versus letting it control us and take over and hold us back from what we're truly meant to do in this life. Right. Oh, God. Yeah, that's beautiful. So it's not really living without fear, becoming fearless, but having more courage. Right, Jennifer? Yes. It's building a better relationship with fear. Ah, wow. Right. And like acknowledging. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let it sit in the driver's seat of your car. It can still be in the car, but put it in the back seat. Know why it showed up. It's like, okay, I see you. I see you self-doubt, you know, like that's my biggest, you know, self-doubt shows up for me quite often still. And and now it's practicing like leaning into that and saying like, okay, thank you for showing up. You were just trying to keep me potentially safe from something that feels scary, but I'm going to lean in anyways Mm -hmm. today. Yes. So is there a way that you know when fear is actually trying to protect you in a legit way <laughs> and when it's not? How do we know the difference, Jennifer? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's always really good examples out there of when fear pr- appropriately shows up, right? When you're literally getting ready to do something very scary, like, you know, you see an accident on the road or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. With extreme sports or something, you know, this extreme adventure, like, let's say mm. you were, you've been asked to skydive, like that's, that could be terrifying. And there, you know, or for a reason, doing, yeah, for, reason, <laughs> for, good for reasons. reasons. <laughs> yes. um, and then there's the, like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. starting a business or being asked to speak in front of a group of people for the first time, um, mm. or going for that job that you haven't gone for before, that fear is still going to show up. But it's, but that's not life or death, right? That's just saying, yep, this feels scary. And I think the important thing also to pay attention to is when it does show up, where do you feel it in your body? Mm. Because your body's always telling you, it's always giving you signs and signals. And we know what it's paying attention to what it feels like in your body and acknowledging it where it is in your body and giving it that space to be there. 
what's the meaning of having that sensation of fear within the body part? Does it make a difference where the, the sensation is? I think it's different for everybody right. and depending on the situation where you feel it, but it's really getting quiet and still when you feel that nervousness or scaredness of something, right? Is it that pit in your stomach? Is it tightness in your throat? Is it, um, you know, do you feel it in your head? Mm-hmm. Where do you feel it? Cause it could feel, it's not going to hurt necessarily, but you're going to feel, there will be some sort of sensation there, that tightness, that tension, that restriction, and that's just your body saying, I want, I, I want the space for a second to be seen and heard and understood why I'm here. And then, and being able to then give it, get, it takes about 90 seconds for that, that sensation to actually move through your body where I believe we, as humans, we've been trained and told, push it down, yeah. right? Fight it, resist True. it. Don't show it. Yes. And now yeah. a bunch of, you know, we're walking around as adults these you know as human beings Mm. built up with all these Mm. sensations that we don't know what to do with so true so the practice is to let the sensation the feeling to move in the body okay through the body yes breathe into it breathe Mm. into it oh i love that too yeah breathing that's one of the one of my favorite practices actually i do it all the time (laughs) Another question about, you just described the different kinds of fears, one that has to do with physical danger in a sense of really losing the body we could by doing certain things, or just the fear of doing something new, kind of embracing a new challenge. For all these kinds of fears, do we have the sensation, the body's sensation or one of them, it's mostly, let's say, in the form of thinking, overthinking and anxiety, but more mental, more, not in your head, but more caused by thoughts, beliefs. I'm wondering if I'm clear with that question. Is that clear to you or not? Not really, Jennifer? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, no, the thoughts we have are going to create the sensations that we feel. Right. Right. You know, and then, and, and, um, we have the ability to create and change our thoughts, you know, versus letting it's really the power, especially when it comes to the, like the mental piece and the thoughts we have is that our minds are meaning making machines. So we have thousands of thoughts a day and then we make those thoughts mean something. And 90% Mm. of them aren't even true. Right. They're just stories that we've made up. And so really we Mm. have the ability as oneself to change the narrative. So basically everything is being filtered by the mind. Mm -hmm. It's coming from a belief system, Mm -hmm. memory, thoughts, right? Yes. That's an interesting idea. You know what you just said about that we uh, create meaning and we are in a way creating our thoughts. I don't know if we are creating our thoughts though. I, well, now more than ever, I have this impression that thoughts are just coming and going like sensations in the body. They're mm-hmm. just traveling. And for some reason, we kind of take a hold of them. We own them. And we believe that we are kind of thinking these thoughts. The reason why I say that because if we really had the power to create our thoughts, then we would have amazing lives. We would think beautiful, peaceful, happy thoughts all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Why not? If we we had the power to do it, I know some people they do enough practice of meditation. For example, is one to get into this realm of happy thoughts and peaceful thoughts. But I don't think we create them, Jennifer. I think they're just uh, they're just here as life itself, as as many thoughts as we have. As, there are as many thoughts as there are bodies and you know diversity in nature and all that to me it's just a different form but it's nobody owns them we just assume we do i don't know does it make sense to you somehow I, I <laughs> certainly, yeah no I, I certainly hear what you're saying and i agree yeah. with the, that thoughts are just thoughts right, right we just do a really good job of tying a narrative or a story to the thought yes none it right like it's oh like, yeah it's just a thought until we start to believe it. And what I've learned in my coaching um, and and how I help my clients is question the thought. What thought are you having? So for example, because a lot of it is misunderstanding that we've had or judgments we've made about the thought. I could have a thought Mm. that I could, that I'm not a very good coach or I, I should be further along than I am right now. Why am I, you know, I, and do I play, how do I play out that narrative? And I've just, I'm so thankful that I've surrounded myself with um, other supportive, amazing women that hold me accountable and help me question, okay, what's really true here? That's because when you buy into the thought, your mind is going to do a really great job of finding evidence of why that's true. Right. So if we can change the narrative to, I am a really good coach where, where provide me three specific examples of where and how that's true. And I'm able to do that, you know? So, and I mean, that, that is a constant daily practice. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's for sure. For some reason I have a more freed per se, for lack of a better word. I love the idea of freedom. So I'm always mm kind of dwelling in this world of whatever happens, even the thoughts that come, the ones that I attach myself to, <laughs> who I own them and the ones that I don't, it's all acceptable. I just mm. let it be rather than trying to overthinking them, trying to understand them better even. Or I mean, I love these conversations and I have them for a reason, but there is something about just letting whatever is present be that it dispels everything. It, there's there's something wonderful about being present and not trying to be any other place but here. How do I don't find it here to be a, a place, but a placeless place, I would say, a timeless, placeless here now. So there's something about that that has been my practice and has, um, has given me this, this feeling of freedom. How do you see the, the concept of freedom, Jennifer? How do you understand that? I mean, you, you just described it so beautifully that being fully present is being free. Oh, yeah. Yes. And that it sounds so simple, mm-hmm. right? And it, <laughs> yet it you and I both know it's not necessarily easy, right, but right. nothing great ever is easy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So freedom is, is being free from all of it to all mm-hmm. of it. Like you said, full acceptance of yes. every, all of it, everything. Yes. 
yes, a billion times. <laughs> to that yes. truth, to me, has been, yeah, you know, I'm a truth lover. So it's, I used to say that it was about love and then it was about inner peace. It was mm. about joy. But then I just kind of came to really realize that it's about truth, that I love truth. It, and from that, then this feeling of joy arises, the feeling of peace arises. But then you see, but it's coming from understanding, realizing the truth about whatever it is. And it, it seems to me like now it is. Uh, more and more, it's all about being present. You see, it's, it's a, we are using a concept that a lot of people question too. Intellectually, mm-hmm. lots of people will, I mean, we have discussions here. What is to be present, you know? And if it is a practice, then it's not really the real deal <laughs> because you're still practicing to be present. But what is to be spontaneously, kind of naturally be here, being here now in a sense of place less timeless i still don't know i think we cannot even describe with words though i really think we can't but there's something about seeing this as a gift mm-hmm. i think that's what it is jennifer is seeing this which we call life this happening here now me talking to you and i cannot see you so i have the screen here you have the lights this whatever this is ah it's a gift <laughs> That has been true to me. And from that, everything else arises. You know, that most human beings consider to be wonderful things. Peace, happiness, and all that. Fulfillment. So I think because in the end, that might be the truth with capital T, that this is a gift to be here. Mm, Amen. (laughs) Yes. It is. It is. Right. And how simple that can be. And yes. Right. What, like not tying yes. any other um, mm. definition to what yes. it means to be f- just fully present in the moment. And I think to your point, it's it's coming to the experience with, with a grateful heart, a great, mm. you know, a gratitude about, mm. about the moment without expectation, without mm. distraction. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh my God, yeah, leaving all expectation out of it. <laughs> yes, that's it. Beautifully said, clearly beautifully said. It resonates true to me. Yes, without any expectation, right? Mm. That's it. Easy said than done. Right. <laughs> you see, but if we find that, we realize that as the truth, then something happens. The mind tends to go with that flow. For some reason, it follows that energy of gratitude and lack of attachment, there's something, a shift happens. It's almost like the mind starts to listen to the heart Mm. and give the heart the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. Something like that, because I have seen, this happens, it's happening to me (laughs) right now. It always happens to me to, and some people even ask me, how do you, you know, it kind of impresses me that you're able to keep this enthusiasm, you know, like this, this some people call high vibration. I don't know mm. different names, but that's what it is. It's almost a realization of a truth that this is a gift, and then the mind starts to follow that. That's how I, I can explain it. It's not easy. I don't think it's something that we can fully rationalize. And with that in mind, Jennifer, see, I call it this type of understanding and realization. I call it spiritual spirituality. Mm-hmm. What is spirituality to you? Mm. What it, yeah. I love that question. 
it's 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 having faith it's i consider myself to be a spiritual person um just belief in something bigger than myself is guiding me um trusting in the universe trusting in love trusting in um my mom's presence who uh, yeah. she's no longer with me um physically However, mm. what a gift it is to have her with me mm. in spirit, Valeria. Like that, it it means more to me than anything else I can express to you. So, ah, yes, that's it. <laughs> yes, it's the invisible world, isn't it? It is. It is the presence of that world that's here now. In, that most people don't acknowledge, or they are afraid even to talk about it. <laughs> yes. Yes. But that's, yeah, that's where it's coming from, right? From my understanding too. And that's interesting. So your mother, I know she was 34 years old, although I don't really subscribe to time in that sense mm. of, you know, numbers and all that. But yeah, I read that in your story. So did that change for you also uh, besides this connection to the invisible world, you know, feeling the presence of what's not here in a human form? or in a physical form, did that change your understanding of life itself when it comes to not being afraid of death? It took me a really long time to get there, for sure. You know, it wasn't really until a couple of years ago. And my, co I had a the most powerful coaching session I've ever had with this masterful coach. And, you know, my mom had been, I've lost her over 30 years ago now. So this, so a couple of years ago, I was, expressing to this coach, you know, that I had lost her so many years ago. And I just didn't know that I hadn't properly grieved the mm. yet. Yeah. And because no one teaches you how to do that. No one knows yeah. what it looks like or feels True. like. Um, <laughs> yes. And she held such beautiful space for me to go where I still needed to go. And through that, ex through that experience, it was like I got to see my mom and meet mm. her and talk to her. And not that I couldn't do that like conceptually, you know, or that I hadn't done that before, but feel it like I had never felt it before. I would say it was the biggest difference. And after that, these last two years, I feel her more now than I ever have. Ah, yes. What can I say about that? Yes, that's one of the the most profound um let's say, realizations to, mm. to have in this human experience, the one that we never die. Mm -hmm. that it's just life and death is one and the same. It's just different forms and chains. It's just a change, another change. Mm -hmm. I know it's really not easy for most people to grasp, like my husband too. He lost his sister about, about 30, 35 years ago as well. Mm. And he still cries. He still cries when he thinks about her it, in a sense of missing the body, missing her mm -hmm. physical presence. You see, but that's coming from the understanding, the belief system that we are a body in mind only. Mm. And that's one of the things that I usually talk to him and people around me that we are not just the body, mind. Oh, yes, so much more than that. And especially, the let's say a lot of people think about the, the mind even as being the spirit, but I... There's a difference for me that there's, there's a layer difference, but the body, I see a lot of people believe that, that they are the body only. 
And that's sad to see the suffering, unnecessary suffering that it causes, this belief system that, that we are just the body. Question that I have for you, as a life coach, do you work with people who are grieving as well, Jennifer? You know, not specifically, because grief is so, it's it's tricky. It's um, especially, it's interesting. I, I'm not a trauma-informed coach. I've considered it. I do believe everyone's been through some sort of trauma in their life, whether they would define it as such, you know, because there's such a full spectrum of what trauma can be, small or big. And, um, you know, like I've had a couple of traumatic events in my life. I've worked through them, right? I've healed from them, though, where there's people that have had big T trauma in their life years and years ago, but they've never dealt with it. So they don't even understand that it's probably still playing a big part in their life in some way. Or it could have been, it could have been a, it's, it's your, it's your own definition what small T trauma is, but if you've never dealt with it or healed from it, it's still going to play out in your life, whether you realize it or not. And so I guess I'm just, I want to bring more awareness to that for, for folks um, that they do find someone that can, if they're willing to, to want to work through that, to find someone to help support them in doing so. So I, I certainly am happy to to talk about grief and and support where I can, but I wouldn't say I'm like specifically, you know, a a trauma informed, you know, it it, kind of depends. There's a clinical component to, to it as well. can be, if you've never dealt with, you know, the, the, the trauma in your life that that may serve you. So um, yeah, thanks for the question though. I, I, I think it's so therapeutic to talk, talk it, talk through it though. Right. Oh, yeah. And just have someone that can hold space for you to process. So I've done that many a times. Yes. Yeah. Given your experience, I think that's why I asked um, mm-hmm. you would have included that. So with that in mind, who would benefit from your coaching the most? Who would be the ideal per se client? Yeah. So the clients that I've served the last couple of years are, you know, I've had men reach out. I've yet to have a man man commit to -to one-to-one coaching. I'm certainly open to it. Um, But the women that I've worked with up to this point are women that are between the age of, you know, like 30 and 55 that are successful in their so-called careers. You know, there are leaders in their industry that, that on the outside, everything looks really great, right? They, they are, paid well, they have a partner in their life, they may they may or may not have kids. But on the inside, I hear every single day I'm unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. Something's missing. I feel lost. Is this all I'm supposed to be doing until I retire? Is this it? Right. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so it's really helping yeah. support them tap back into yeah. why they're here, what they what they are meant to still do that is going to light up their soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fill their fill their cup up with love and passion and excitement and joy, whatever it is for them. But for some reason, they don't believe they deserve it or uh, they're not worthy of it. I feel like that that is mm-hmm. the root of a lot of this work. Wow. That's a big one. Not feeling like we deserve great things. Yes. It has to do with self-love, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That's what was one of my, I would say the second step, the first acknowledging that mm-hmm. something was not serving me, being in the past, living in the past. 
And then acceptance and then self-love mm-hmm. has become this amazing practice that I relate to health, actually. Like if somebody asked me to, def- to define the word health, I would say it's the practice of self-love. It's within, it falls within that category. That's good. It really does. You start taking care of your body better, which you, you know, from the pers- conventional perspective of being free of illnesses. So that helps a lot. And then also you, you become kinder. There's something about being kind to yourself that can change everything too. I would agree. So another question, yes. The topic of this, the title of this episode is uh, Embracing Your Inner Warrior. And I talked to you off record, I believe, about this, the idea of the warrior. So if, what is another word for warrior? You know, when I created this like signature talk of mine, which is, which is embrace your inner warrior, the more I craft my talk and, and express it and share it, who I know that to be truthfully is our younger, our younger self. Mm, wow. That We all have an inner warrior in us and it's that yeah. little one. Uh. Mm. where we are now able to give he mm. or she everything that she, he or she's been wanting and maybe didn't receive when they were younger. And now we're able to, it's that relationship that is the most powerful and most healing relationship you can ever have is that like inner child of yours, that little Valeria, that little Jennifer. Uh, and it, that's been a powerful, huge life lesson of mine, I think, through, you know, my own grief and and knowing how young I was when I lost my mom. And so when I see a picture of my 11-year-old self, man, it brings up so much for me. And it's, it's still being able to give her that love that maybe she didn't receive after she lost her mom. And so that's truly who I believe our inner warriors are, is our little ones, ready to be seen, heard, loved, accepted for who they are and nothing else. Wow. Ah, yeah, you really paused me here. <laughs> ah, yes. Wow. Do you somehow connect the inner child to the authentic self? I think that's who they are. Ah, the, the authentic self, mm. our authentic selves. I do. Wow, I love that. Mm, think that way. Ah, Jennifer. Wow, yeah. I never thought that way. <laughs> the authentic <laughs> self being the inner child. Um, Our younger self, right? When yeah. we were five years old, yeah. six years old, before we knew anything other than love, My. without judgment, without criticism, without... Mm. Um, it's it was just pure. Ah, what's not to love about that? Mm. So true. Yeah, you kind of. I just went back now thinking about that, right? The little me. Yes. And now seeing the way I operate in the world, it has the the essence of that inner child, as you as you call it, mm-hmm. but with maturity though, with wisdom. So it's almost like a combination of innocence, truth, and wisdom. Not in a sense of not making mistakes anymore, but I'm a lot more aware of the mistakes that I could make. (laughs) So in choosing not to, in a way, if there is such a thing as choosing, 
I guess because I come from this perspective of freedom, it's not easy to hold down to any ideas permanently or to be fixed on anything. So there are so many beautiful concepts. I love concepts. You see, like you just mentioned, the inner child being the authentic self, caring, truth, innocence, but also wisdom, right, Jennifer? Of course, wisdom, because it's, mm-hmm. it's not willing to compromise what it believes to, to make herself or himself happy and fulfilled. So, but I don't know about when it comes to acceptance, then it takes almost like this journey in life because we are, when we are children, babies, little humans, we are whole. We cannot say that there's anything missing there, but at the same time, we we evolving, right? To become beings able to understand this reality and navigate this shared reality with harmony so we don't get stuck anywhere and we don't suffer unnecessarily. So there's something about evolving, growing to something that, that I call wisdom. But I have to go back to your idea, which is beautiful. The authentic self being the inner child, that's wisdom. It has, carries mm-hmm. a lot of wisdom there. So I can even say that we become wiser later on. Seems like we are actually already equipped with that. That's right. That's what I've come to learn is like, is that everything we want or need is within us already, right? It's not looking for it anywhere else or from anyone else. It's just knowing what I know to be true is Mm. life is a mirror. We are, we are looking at mirrors every single day and it's Mm. opening up and heightening our own self-awareness and changing the filter in which we see all of that. And right. Without, without resisting it, without judging it, like you mentioned with full acceptance of like, what is, what is all this here to teach me? Mm. What do I need to know from this? What do I, what do I need to learn from this? This, what, what is the wisdom, right? That from these life experiences that a lot of times are hard and challenging and tough and they hurt. And those are where the most powerful life lessons lie. That's true. And it's easy to just become, as you said, become a victim. I think mm. you use that as a, I do. embracing your inner, inner warrior, how to overcome victim mentality. Mm-hmm. So we don't get stuck with the victim mentality. That's a very painful place to be in. It, that sounds like a fixed place. <laughs> I have memories of that and it's not easy mm. still when I think about it. So something in me becomes emotional, not all the time, but when I think about it, I just recorded a, a video recently and I cried. I'm like, why am I crying mm. about this? I was talking about disconnection. And then I just remembered the moments when I felt so lonely and disconnected from my own body, mind, and heart. I don't think we are ever disconnected from the spirit, but there was something about being disconnected from the experience of being a human that was not fun. So there's something else you... Oh, do you want to make a comment about this, Jennifer? I, no, I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's powerful. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, I mean, I love these conversations. Um, I keep saying that. Can I use a different word? I think that's what it is really, love, because I love truth. <laughs> there was a question that somebody, uh, the interviewer asked you within that article, Jennifer Chapman, Just Commit Coaching. So that was the title of the article published on lifecoachmagazine.com. So they asked, what are some of your favorite affirmations, mantras, thoughts, and all journal prompts currently and why? And then you said, I am enough. Every experience I have is perfect for my growth. Life supports me in every possible way. I am surrounded by love. So I actually have this in the introduction I had for this episode. It's right from the very beginning. Is that caught my attention? I am enough. You see, th- this statement, it goes back to what we talked before, that's so close to my heart, acceptance of what is here. Why do we reject what is here? To me, it's a gift. Even if it feels incomplete sometimes, coming from feeling, from belief systems and thoughts, we get this impression that it's incomplete, that's broken, that's not enough. But if you, we really investigate the essence of what's here now, it's, that's it. It's fulfillment itself. Mm. I keep finding that over and over again. So you said that as the first statement that really caught my attention. Are these mantras that you created yourself, it came from inner investigation and insights, or you found them somewhere in a book or talking to somebody? I am enough is certainly one that's was an, an internal investigation, I would say. Um, the others, yeah, through through a couple of different sources that I explored. And one that I've found that I will share with you that's a more recent one that I have written down, oh. um, if I may. Yes, sure. Because I think it's aligned with our conversation today. I have it written down. It says, I am a beacon of light. All evolves and unfolds through love, starting with me. Mm, ah, that's a beautiful one too, right? So I think that that just is very right. on par with our yeah. conversation today about love. And yes. And another one that I'll share with you yeah. that, that is on par with what we're talking about, a male life coach shared with me, he just has such a beautiful soul. And he, it's, it says, I am love, I am loved, I am loving, I am lovable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's a wonderful one too. It's powerful. <laughs> yes. It's so, it's yet simplistic. Um, yeah. It's so good. So. Yes, yes, a billion times to all these statements, especially when they come from inner investigation, our own right. insights. So they don't become, let's say, thoughts again, because we wanted to bring thinking or concepts into experience. And I think that's when we really shift. It has to become an experience. That's why, you know, I have not meditated in a long time, but that was my the very beginning 10 years ago. I started meditating hours a day mm-hmm. and I never understood why exactly. It was so boring in the beginning. I had no idea why I had to med- That was my, my practice. I used to be a Buddhist, Zen, and then I, I used to practice different types of religions, spiritual practices. So one of them, Buddhism, Tibetan, Zen, 
So it was all about meditation. Every time I would go there and then they would always say the same thing. I wanted to talk, <laughs> but they they would, in a way, kind of push that away. And no, because you need to find s- some things, you know, for yourself. You cannot become a this intellectual understanding. And, and that becomes thoughts again, belief systems. So that's why when I hear mantras like this, the ones that you just mentioned, they sound so wonderful. They resonate with the heart. And it, it is true to me now. but. For some people, these statements sound abstract. They, like if I tell my husband, my sister, there were people close to me, they would just say that. And I have heard so many times, I would say profound things. <laughs> and they would say, ah, I don't understand. You know, that's, I don't feel anything. Because for them, it, it's just it's not an experience. It's just a thought. I guess the question is, do you encourage your clients to meditate and find the truth for themselves in the sense of uh, embodying these, these, these statements? Mm, that's a good question. I, cause I, you know, it's, it's, you have to find what you know is going to work for you. And I would share, cause not everyone wants to adapt a meditation practice per se, right? They, or they have this one of uh, one assumption of what it's supposed to be like, which is sitting in silent, right? Cross-legged with your hands on your knees. and Yes, that's boring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that. Gosh. That, that, <laughs> or, or that it's not going to work. Their mind's too busy. You know, right. all, the, all the things. So that's not for everyone. Um, right. and, and to know, like, meditation doesn't have to be that. It could be you going for a walk outside, in nature for 30 minutes without listening to a podcast or music, but just being in nature, that's meditating, you know, or going for a swim. If that, you know, that's a form of meditation. It doesn't have to be what, you know, what you thought it was going to be, but it's certainly just finding a practice for you and creating a new habit. That's going to, um, allow you to be, you know, maybe 1% better today than you were yesterday. Or, you know, who do you, it's, it's really establishing, like, okay, who, who do you want your future self to be? And what does that look like today to get 1% closer to who that version is? So, you know, I, I just support clients in finding whatever best is going to work for them and to know nothing's overnight here, right? You can't try something on for a day or a week and think that it's, it's going to change your life. It's really trusting the process and staying patient with it. Mm, yes, yes. I love that because you're coming from a place of truth again. So mm. it's working with what is true to us. It feels true. So you can't really adapt someone else's ideas and and take that as the truth, right? Mm, that's good, right? Yes. We are almost at the end and I have these ending questions for you. But before that, Jennifer, you also mentioned something that caught my attention, that same article. The person asked, if you could put a message on a huge billboard, getting a message out to millions, what would you say and why? And then you said, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. That's another powerful. You see, this is not just a statement to me that, that carries truth as well. Why would we stay not okay? That doesn't make sense when it comes even to to life itself. It's a flow. It's always changed. The human experience is um, it's like a river. So nothing stays the same. Why would we, right? Right. 
Right. I, I, yeah, I think I learned that when I wasn't okay, about a year after my stroke, I was crying every day and still trying to work at a high level in a corporate gig. And I was like, I just knew I was ready to not stay like that anymore. And I share that just because I see specifically so many stroke survivors have this victim mentality of staying where they are. And Uh it's like in saying, I just want to go back to the way I was before my stroke. I want to go back to my old self. And it's like, until you realize that's never going to happen, you are going to stay exactly where you were, you know? And so I just encourage anybody out there that, that hears this is like, we all, you know, it, it's okay to not be okay for, for a day, right? You can, everybody's going to have their days and their moments. Don't let it build day after day after day, right? What, what are you going to do the next day? You have to be the, for the one to take the first step. Mm. Yes. It starts with us. Um, To me, it starts and ends with us. Yeah. Everything's here for sure. A curious question. I know you um, allured to this answer in the article, but we didn't go into the depth of it. Did you find the cause of the stroke? I did. It, it took a long time to find the cause, um, but they certainly finally, after over a year, found a dissection, a, a tear in my artery in the back of my neck as the reason. And so that's, that's healed itself. And, um, you know, almost seven years out, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank That's you. the, uh, yeah, looking into biology, right? The body mm-hmm. to see what the causes. Do you see causes beyond that, like or besides that per se, the physical symptoms or, or the, the impact it had in the body? Mm. For some reason, I'm always looking into that. Anything that I have in the body that comes up in the body, I always look for the invisible cause right? <laughs> within the, the mind level, you know, what emotions, feelings. So did you look into that too, Jennifer? Are you, like as far as things that I still, I deal with from a mental and emotional mm-hmm. aspect from, a, from the stroke? Yeah, before, actually before it happened. Mm-hmm. I know your mother, right? She mm-hmm. you lost your mother. Do you think somehow that that affected you to that point? Mm, that's or, such a good question. Yeah. I, I don't, there's, there's no direct correlation to, to that, but you asking that there's certainly this very interesting, deep, deep aspect of it was there, was there this part of the unhealing, you know, that caused something like this. And, you know, I'll, I'll end on this note that, you know, knowing my why, was certainly the work that I did with my coach um, because I was the same age my mom was when she passed. And so once I came to that realization, that really opened my eyes and mind and heart to my purpose of why I know I'm here, right, is to honor honor her legacy and to, and to pay it forward for others that are going through something that are meant to grow through something. How beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much for being open to life. Thank you. That's beautiful. I want to mention the services that you offer, coaching for individuals, coaching for businesses, and group coaching. Did I miss anything, Jennifer? No, Um, thank you so much. Do you meet your clients online and in person or online? Correct. Both. Yeah. 
I'm very, I'm, I definitely do virtual. I'm certainly open to, to doing one in-person team engagements as well. Ah, that's wonderful to know. So we'll end the conversation with this question that I, I usually love asking this question to my guests. I'll ask you too. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they die? <sighs> wow. The, ex- the experience of like true healing and transformation and love, self-love. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that... Yeah. Answers your question. <laughs> yes. Man, I just <laughs> very much. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, yeah. power personal empowerment and growth. And I mean, that is life. Like learning from our hardships are our most profound, deep life lessons that carry so much wisdom. And, and I wish that for everyone. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much again, Jennifer. Thank you. For your presence in this reality, for what you're doing, how you're doing it. I, I love how genuine you are absolutely love how open you are to truth. That's one of the qualities that I, for some reason, because it's in me, I'm always kind of looking in others as well. Truth, you know, how can we connect from that point of view? So thank you so much again. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. And before we say goodbye, I want to mention your website. So justcommitcoaching.com. I'll have this on the podcast notes will be clickable. So thank you again and we'll talk soon. Bye I for now. It. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jennifer Chapman and her work, please visit justcommitcoaching.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.